Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 360, recorded live on Saturday, May 17th, 2014. And here are your hosts, the man who wanted to start earlier, Dave Pillay. Hey! And the man who is still sitting here waiting, Andy Lowe. Hi. Yeah, turns out my computer takes a good 10 minutes to cold boot. Mine does that in slightly over half that time. Six minutes, seven minutes in that. Okay, so about two-thirds. It's really weird that I know exactly how long it takes my computer to boot. I mean, I also know how long it takes mine. How often do you boot your computer? Not that often, actually. Outside of, you know, the Windows updates. Yep, well, that's what triggered this one. Uh, But really, like, yeah, so at this point, I turn my computer on and go and get myself something from the kitchen, which is on the other side of the house. Because by the time you come back, then it will finally be booted? Um, partly. (laughs) It'll be almost booted. Windows might be up, but it wouldn't have finished booting. How much stuff do you have loading in your start options? I don't know, but it's a lot, evidently, because it keeps going. I haven't cleared it out recently. Let's see, boot, services, Adobe, Microsoft, Microsoft, AMD, Microsoft, AMD, Apple, unknown. That's reassuring. (laughs) Microsoft, 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 Apple, Microsoft, Microsoft, a lot, a lot. Wait, I turned some of these off, though. Startup? Yeah, so like startup, I've turned off Amazon Cloud, Apple Push, Daemon Tools, Origin, iFi, Fitbit, Hamachi. These are all turned off now. You have a Fitbit? Yeah. Did we already talk about this? Probably. Okay. When I train, I walk about 10 to 13,000 steps. Mm-hmm. I would want to get one just to study my sleeping habits. Mm-hmm. I did that, too. You can yeah. also use your phone for that. I know, but that means my phone has to be in the bedroom. You do not keep your phone in the bedroom? No, no, I do not. Oh, okay. Put it on airplane mode and keep it in your bedroom. But then, um, how do I charge it? You put a charger next to your bed. That also, is... it would be on airplane mode, so not really taking a lot of power. No, true. The problem with that, though, is it... It's a motion detector while I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. But then that also... You're not the only person in the bed. Exactly. Yep. That way, that way if I have like something attached to my wrist, it will notice when I move and go from there. And only there. I actually just recently went through and cleaned up my start booting options. There's a, what was the name of that program? MS Config? No, it's uh, uh, Soluto, S-O-L-U-T-O. I ran it once during my boot up, and it actually gave me back a list of exactly what all these things mean and what I probably could get rid of and what I shouldn't get rid of, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I ran that once and then uninstalled it afterwards. So Nice. But it's it's always good to have an outside opinion of exactly, you know, what does this mean? (laughs) Is this worth it? Yes. I actually just did a whole bunch of stuff with services and task schedulers and batch files now, too. I feel so proud of myself. For your personal life or for work? For work. Okay, I was, I was wondering. <laughs> I was How actually are you batch scheduling at your your apartment. Well, I probably could batch schedule some. Well, I don't have to do defragmenting anymore because I'm running Windows Seven. Um, probably I need to schedule some backup stuff here now that I've got the uh, the giant terabyte plus drive. Ooh. Yeah, it's a it's a three terabyte drive. I call it the tomb. Because I don't access it that often. Nice. Three, wait, I'm sorry, three terabyte drive? Three terabyte drive, yeah. Jesus. 
Yeah, so I need to schedule a backup for everything onto into the tomb, and then I think I'll be good then. So much space. Yeah. So much space. I actually have a uh, a solid state drive in cold storage for when I buy my next computer. How much? I'm looking at how much capacity it has because I don't remember at this point. It's been too long. Two hundred forty gig. Why aren't was, you using that now? Because it was on like super sale, and I'm keeping it clean. I'm keeping it put away until I buy my next computer. Why aren't you using it now? Because I'm keeping it clean until I buy my next computer. I don't want stuff on it. No, I'm just saying using it instead of your primary hard drive. Because I don't want anything on it. I don't understand your logic behind this. You have a hard drive you bought you're not going to use until you get another computer. Yes. It was like 70% off. When you actually finally use that hard drive, yep. I want you to go and see what the prices are for hard drives Okay. at the time you install it. Okay. I'm just curious to see how much... I saved. Yes. Okay. I'm not going to remember this, so you're going to have I to remind me. I don't know if I will either, but when I build the next computer, I think both of us will be like, wait, there was supposed to be something here. Probably. Oh, I'm getting, an, I'm getting a new work laptop, too. Ooh. Because the motherboard on my old Vista laptop um, went out. How's uh, that pit boss setup going? It's not. It's not? Like I said, the, the firewalls at work are uh, robust. Okay. So. Unfortunate. Yep. We'll have to come up with another solution. Mm-hmm. So is that any, would you like to do any more banal chit-chatting? I, we, can, we can start with topics if you'd like. Well, I'm just episode. Trying. What? Go ahead. No, no, go, go, go. Uh, I was going to say it's episode 360 is kind of appropriate. And we could talk about the Microsoft price cut. I, I like how you're describing it as the Microsoft price cut and not the Microsoft. Oh shit! People still don't like us. We're going to retract even more of what we promised and said that we were going to do. That's what I. It was when they announced the Xbox One. I'm like, oh great, the Connect is built in. Oh joy! Now I'm actually like. Oh, good. It's not actually built in anymore. But that's not a good thing, Andy. Why not? Because the whole concept of having the Connect required meant that it was a standard piece of the hardware. Okay, and I think it's a standard piece of the hardware that doesn't need to be there. But the game developers are now going to totally ignore it. It stifles innovation. All right, let's... There's got to be an article somewhere on Wikipedia... That actually lists how many Xbox One games use the Kinect now, as it has been standard since it came out. It, since it came out, what, eight months ago? Has it really only been eight months? November of 13. You're right. Wow. Andy, you have to give it more time, but now you don't because no one's going to do it. <laughs> well, this one, I honestly think, was Microsoft's fault. They put it up at such a high cost compared to the ps4 it costs what five hundred dollars yes i I, andy yeah go back to 2005 2006 how much was the ps3 yeah and playstation learned from their mistake that there is (laughs) there actually is kind of it's it's a soft limit on the upper end no there isn't there is not people will pay yes but more people will pay if you know you get it below a certain amount, you know, $400. I think that this is uh, a poor decision on Microsoft's part, and it falls right in line with how they are handling the PR and the public opinion of their console. 
which is kind of funny because I haven't actually heard anything that bad about the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. But they're looking at their sales numbers. Which are low. Yeah. Saying, well, that's not working, so we'll backtrack. Like, I so love at this. this point, at this point, what's the difference between the Xbox One and the Xbox 360? Um, that extra multi-pane thing with the, the Skype and such built in. So the oh, fact you, that it has two operating systems. Yes, I think that's about it. And slightly better graphics processor. All right, so I'm just looking here. What does losing the Kinect lose me? Okay, so you lose the ability to play games that require the Kinect. No duh on that one. You lose voice control. Voice control, motion control input. Mm-hmm. Change channels on your cable box and adjust the volume on your TV. And you lose the enhanced DVR controls that are supposed to be coming in later this year. Ooh. Yeah, I am. I'm honestly not gonna miss it. I, well, I have you, never. I've never been a fan of it in the first place. Uh, Andy, are you going to even buy a, a an Xbox? Probably not. Um, then yeah, you're not going to miss it. You're yeah, not, not going to have it in the first place. I honestly can't remember the last time I turned on my 360, which sucks because I'm halfway through Batman: Arkham Origins, which means as soon as I get back into the game. You won't remember it. I won't remember any of the controls or anything, and I'm probably going to die a lot. Yeah. I hate that, that you you forget controls so easily. Yeah. I have the same problem. Like, I'm going to go back. I played The Last of Us for for a little bit, and now I want to go back, but I know I'm going to have to relearn the controls and Grand Theft Auto V and every other PlayStation 3 game I own. Like, I just don't remember the controls. What does this do? Oh, that kills me. Okay. Okay, well, let's not do that. (laughs) See, it was a whole lot easier when there were just two buttons on the controller. So what does this button do? Okay, what does that button do? That's right. run, that's jump. Got it. <laughs> now we're good. Yeah, I honestly, I, I, I'm staring at my 360 going, yeah, you're, you've been sitting there, not doing anything. I think I, I log in on the website every once in a while to get the games for gold. Mm. Just so, you know, at some point in the future I probably could play them. But outside of that, yeah, no. Are you, would this affect... Your decision to purchase or not purchase an Xbox One? Nope. 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 Are you not planning on buying one before and this is not going to make you buy one now? I don't know if or when I will buy one, but this won't change that. Let me put it this way. If I were to buy one, I'd probably buy it with the Kinect. Gotcha. All right. But I don't know that I'm going to buy one. I have PCs. Desktop gaming making comeback. I don't need the Xbox for things like Netflix and Hulu because I have a PlayStation 3 and a Chromecast and an HDMI port on my laptop. Yeah, our Blu-ray player can handle Amazon Instant pretty well. Mm -hmm. And it's actually in HD. Well, it would be in HD with the Xbox, but I wouldn't use the Xbox for anything outside of gaming. And I'm doing that on the PC now. Yep. So there's... there's, uh... An interesting thing about that, speaking about gaming on a PC, yeah, a store that I would not have expected to is considering selling Steam boxes. GameStop? Nope. No. Nope. Well, I have no idea if GameStop is considering it. They probably are. Probably. Woot. 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 But that's they only sell one thing. At, oh no, because it's their other back store, isn't it? Are Are you kidding? They have like eight things a day because there's different Woots. Plus, there's Woot Plus. Yeah, that's what I meant. Woot Plus is the, their back-end thing that actually sells everything all the time. Yeah. Man, I haven't been to Woot in forever. You, you might want to take a look at it. 27 WQHD monitor. Ooh. Yeah. That is a big monitor. Yeah. Think about getting that for a TV for the basement. 
six-ton log splitter. Wow, I just would not expect that to be on there. But they were considering, and they had a survey up about steam boxes. But the question is, how much of a discount would you get? Don't know. Don't know if you'd get any. But I thought it was interesting and worth bringing up. It's an interesting idea. I don't know if I would ever get a steam box because... I don't really do... If I do gaming, it's on my computer monitor. Even when I was running with the 360, it was on the computer monitor. So why don't I just use the computer? I don't know. I actually was using my laptop for Steam the other day because I was playing it downstairs. You have to keep in mind, Andy, not all of this is for you. True. The world does not revolve around me. And you are not the uh, average user. As no. I am not the... This is why I get into betas all the time, is because I'm not the average user. <laughs> At least that's my, my thought process is of how I get into betas all the time. What, somebody wants to play this game on an old laptop? Oh, we'll see how it works. Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> okay, well, that's good to know. So, speaking of Steam... Yeah. Kerbal Space Program. Yeah. They want to add a multiplayer. Oh, God. What, what would that look like? Like, mission control and... It's their their quote is it's still so early in the development of multiplayer we can't even guess how it will eventually turn out. So right now on the board, you know, you, you picture the whiteboard in their development studio, right? Yeah. And right there in the middle of the whiteboard circled is the word multiplayer with a question mark. Yes. That's where they're at. Do you think I brought this article up to kind of go over a more overarching thing is do you think games have to have multiplayer now? We've talked about this. Well, it's I, don't, I don't remember what I said back then, but I know that we've talked about this. Oh, we probably have, because it seems every game now has to have some sort of multiplayer. Well, it, it, even if you don't have multiplayer, it's some sort of social aspect to it. Part of that goes back to a statement that I made a long time ago that uh, Kate disagreed with, but I, I still make it. Gaming is inherently social. Some gaming is inherently social. Some is me with my headphones on staring at the screen and not hearing what Kate is telling me. I still maintain that gaming is inherently social. It can be, you can remove the social from it. You can hide it. You can cover it up. But gaming is inherently social. Even old, like, NES games where it was only one player, it was fun to sit there with someone and play and trade off. All right. So here's the question, though. Oculus Rift. Yeah. How is that going to be social? Are you kidding? No. There will if be I'm, so much online connectivity. If I'm playing... Something... Social doesn't mean you need to look the other person in the eye, Andy. Whether the screen is strapped to your face or whether it's two feet in front of you, that's not going to change anything. Well, for an in-person social connection, yes, that's going to change a lot. Really? How often do you look at the person next to you? Well, there's nobody next to me right now, so I can't tell you. When you're playing with us online, how often do you look at us? At you guys, never. So... <laughs> How is the Oculus going to change that? Well, you see, now we're just talking about two different things, though. You're, you're talking about the social aspect of the gamers inside the game. I'm talking about the social aspect of the gamer Gaming versus the outside the, the world. Okay, but that, that, yeah, I'm still... Yes, the, the Oculus will add a barrier because you won't be able to look at the people who are watching you game. Yes. That is true, although you will still hear them. They can still talk to you. True, until we get to some sort of headphones attachments for the Oculus Rift. Yep. Which are, it, that's good, that's an inevitability. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, there's there's games that require that social activity. Have you seen the, uh, oh crap, what was it called? It's the bomb disarming one. No, but that seems like an extremely neat idea. Uh, keep talking and nobody explodes <laughs> is the name of the game. 
Okay. It was designed originally for the Oculus and for Razer Hydra, the motion sensor. Yes. And so you have a team of four people. One of them is wearing the Oculus, and that person sees a bomb. The other three people have no computer, have no controls, only have sheets of paper. That are the schematics for the bomb? It's the schematics for the bomb and how to disarm them. Oh, that's a neat idea. Yeah. (laughs) How's that? Uh, It has... They've they've since they're still working on it. They've removed the Razer Hydra because that was discontinued, uh, and they're doing it for an Xbox controller. You know, it'd be interesting to have what is some sort of camera attached to the Oculus Rift, and you wear gloves that have some sort of motion sensing, like balls or dots or something on them. Okay. So the Oculus Rift can tell where your hands are in comparing to the headset. Okay. That would be interesting for something like this. So you actually have your hands. That, that's what the Hydro was there for. Ah. Motion control. Well, I'm just saying you try and remove the controller from the motion control and you actually have... No, that, that's what it... Was it? it? Oh, no. The Razer did have a controller that you held. Yeah. Right. Well, you know what other product could do that, Andy? What? The Connect. <laughs> Very true. Actually, it, it can do that. Yeah. So what else? What else do we have to talk about? Well, if we want to go on the video game line, it was a funny little article that Joystick posted actually on Mother's Day. Okay. Well, wait. I want to go back for a sec. All right. Have you played Kerbal? No. Are no, you I going have not. To, are, you, are you interested in Kerbal? Uh, how much does it cost? Ooh. Um, I don't remember. It was a little bit. Let's look it up. $27. Yep. You can play it from my account, though. When you're not online. Which is actually quite often. Yes, very true. Lately, if I haven't been playing Civ, I haven't been using Steam. Well, I will have to... Not now. (laughs) Right now. This instant. Well, no, I was going to say even just starting the download, because that will kill my internet connection. Right. But once we are done, I will start the download for it. And then, since I am still only part-time, be able to try it out one of these days. After I fix my door on my car. Mm -hmm. The electronic lock does not work electronically. That's not good. No, it can still manually unlock and lock, but it will not... (laughs) Even the electronic lock button on the door itself does not work the lock. Good times. So, Mother's Day. Yeah. Joystick actually got some of their mothers to answer a few questions about their kids who are working for Joystick. Okay. So I thought it was a fun little view to see how other parents feel about their kids playing video games. Okay. So it's what, a, what did they have to say? A lot of it just seems like normal mom stuff. Do you play any video games? I play Angry Birds. I play Bejeweled. Crosswords. Yeah. I have a Wii. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's Wii Sports. I play Dots. What are your views about memories of my video game playing? Describe what I do for a living. That one's always a fun one. <laughs> so it's a fun little thing just to think about is what the outside viewer thinks of us. Because there's a lot of times where we are very inside baseball. No. I, I know. That's... Never. We'd, we'd never do inside baseball. <laughs> right? Well, you, you do baseball. But... Yes. No, we're totally inside baseball. Yeah. Sucks. Why does it have to be baseball? What, what would you like to... How would you describe it then? It's inside baseball. Yeah. 
on a side note, I didn't actually post this article, but I meant to. NPD released more numbers about video gamers. Okay. Really? And I had to find the one link that was a video. Damn it. Oh. Womp, 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 womp. Yep. Um, but I think they said the average gamer spends 22 hours per week gaming. If that's the average, then we have a problem. That's why I'm double-checking this, because that does not seem right. All right, here we go. NPD studied 8,000 U.S.-based people ages 9 and above to analyze their gaming habits. And from that number, they extrapolate that 34 million U.S. gamers average 22 hours of gaming per week. Three hours a day. Yeah, now that you actually... Yeah, three hours a day. That doesn't. That seems... A bit that's, much? That's high. It's a, it's a part-time job. Yeah. Like, that is high. Two-thirds of that 34 million also play on mobile devices. So, But it, most of that is actually compu- console and computer gaming still. So no surprise on that one. It's still a yeah, part-time job of just playing. A, ugh. What do you want to do when you grow up? Play video games. Congratulations. Okay. Other big news of the week, besides yeah. Microsoft backtracking and, and falling down on their promises, uh, another organization falling down on their promises. Who? The FCC. Oh, yeah, because they had their meeting on Thursday, didn't they? Yeah. Now, what was really interesting, did you watch the proceedings? Uh, no, I did not. I actually had to go into work on Thursday because I was sick on Wednesday. So these are public meetings? Yes. They, they are not closed. They are no. open to the public. So a couple people staged a small protest. And During they went the meeting? Right before the meeting started, like okay. as they were starting the meeting. Uh, they came in, they sat down, they were waiting, and just before Tom Wheeler started, one of them stands up and starts demanding about how cable companies should be a uh, common carrier per Title II, that this is what the FCC has proposed is... Uh, limiting free speech that it and he just keeps going on and on and on as security people and police officers kindly remove him from the room as the officers are at the door getting this guy out of the room the next person stands up and continues the tirade <laughs> and so they you know they come back in and they get her and they walk her out of the room and then the next guy stands up who's a veteran and talks about how he fought in the wars and how uh, he did this to defend the country and to serve the country and that the FCC is failing and falling down. It, it was kind of touching. And then Tom Wheeler got the meeting started. Yeah. There's also, I don't know if you've seen this, on the uh, We the People site. Is there an FCC petition up there? Or There's a petition to uh, basically fire Tom Wheeler. I don't know if you could actually do that. Fire him? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the president could ask him to resign. True. But no, no, I don't think anyone has the power to, well, someone's got the power to fire him. Maybe Congress? I'm not sure. I've never actually looked at how do you get rid of an FCC commissioner. Well, because it's, it's a nominated position, right? Yeah. So someone's got the ability to say, like, leave. And it's probably the White House. Maybe. Probably the executive branch gets to do that. Now, speaking as someone who's also had a petition to remove him from his job... It's not very fun. No. Kind of sucks. I was heartbroken when I learned about that. Uh, that is completely understandable. Hello. Hmm? You hit the mic. Oh, sorry. My apologies for that. It, it did this really nice reverberation. Uh, <laughs> 
Okay, so Tom Wheeler and the FCC has uh, had their meeting on Thursday. Yes. And they said, let's move forward with the current proposal. Yeah, it was a three to two approval with the two Republican commissioners dissenting. Which is interesting. I know, that is kind of surprising. Good for them. I side with them on this one because this is it, – it really is bullshit. This, right. is, this is stupid. Well, they, he, uh, part of the approval is he expanded the request for comments. Mm-hmm. So there's now another 120-day window for comments about for this. public commentary. So yes. please, please, please go comment. Tell them that this is wrong, that it should be a title to common carrier – Internet fast lanes are not fast lanes. They are the same speed that you're paying for now. Okay, so yeah, the FCC will accept initial comments from May 15th until July 15th and reply comments until September 10th on its website, which is kind of funny that everybody said that they need to be uh, common carriers because the uh, ISPs themselves wrote a letter to the FCC. Yeah. It was signed by the CEOs of AT&T, Bright House Networks, Cablevision, CenturyLink, Charter, Comcast, Cox, Frontier, Suddenlink, Time Warner Cable, and 15 other companies. Praising the FCC on their decision? No. Oh? The letter said, and it warned the FCC not to classify broadband as a telecommunications service because it will stifle innovation and the companies will be, have to spend less on network upgrades, and so therefore it's going to become a stagnant service really yeah (laughs) if you make it so that we can't discriminate we're just not going to keep it up at all pretty much they said if this happens we uh, all right here's what they say if under title two new service offerings options and features will be delayed or altogether foregone consumers will face less choice and a less adaptive and responsive how do you face less choice than no choice (laughs) it oh it's ridiculous that Hmm. Oh, where was it also? It was it was kind of funny because there was also another FCC report that was put out at the same time where the FCC commission issued a report on average cable TV prices in the U.S. Uh-huh. And the cable TV prices have went up four times the rate of inflation. And they also looked at uh, if there were any non-competitive communities, i.e. there is, uh, you know, there's only one choice. Or if the incumbent has greater than 30% of the household as subscribers. Okay. There was 314 communities out of the uh, 20. Okay, so there were 9,417 communities granted an effective competition finding pursuant to the statute, which means the guys actually petitioned the FCC to say that um, they have to go higher than what they're allowed because there is no competition. And they found that 314 communities had no competition for cable providers. I do not know what that means. Okay. I, I, I could not track that and piece it together. Can you try one more time? All right. So there, there are, the cable providers are grouped in basically communities, i.e. Yeah. Selene's a community, Ann Arbor's a community, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. The cable provider has to basically petition the FCC if they want to provide greater than 30% of the households in their community as subscribers for them. Okay. Or if there isn't a second operator who offers service to at least half the community and has 15% of households as subscribers. Okay. So they have to say, look, there is no competition in this community. Can we expand beyond 30%? Okay. So they actually have to petition the FCC for this. And how many petitions were there? Out of the, uh, there were 486 operators, 24,238 communities, 
There were 9,417 petitions filed. So for over a third. There were over a third of the communities surveyed. There have been petitions filed saying, hey, we need to expand beyond what we're currently allowed. And out of those 9,000 communities, they have found that 314 have actually been granted because there is no competition. Okay. So out of the ones that are possibly not having competition, there is a guaranteed 314 communities that have no competition. Like, literally, there is no choice. Yeah. This industry is so messed up. Yep. So destructive. Okay. So <clears throat> talk to the FCC. Let them know. Send a message. Let's do this. I still can't but the ISPs sent a letter saying, oh, yeah, if this happens. We're going to cut back. And I'm sitting here just thinking, you guys have already cut back. Where is Kalamazoo in the rankings on the Nielsen ratings? Let's just, you know what they could do? We'll put everyone in the slow lane. Then they're not discriminating. I'm trying to see where the the um, Nielsen market numbers are. Because I feel like Kalamazoo is in like the, the top 100 cities for... Oh, really? You're not going to let... Oh, because oh, it's... Copy really the, the Wikipedia cannot list the Nielsen markets because they are considered a copyrighted. Oh, sad, <laughs> stupid Nielsen. <sighs> All right, so there goes that thought process, stifled by copyright. Yep. So what's this about GM? GM wants to put LTE internet in your car. Okay. okay? They also want to charge you for internet in your car. Okay. Here are some of the monthly plans. All right. Mm-hmm. You can pay $5 a day if you have OnStar for use of 250 megabytes. Um, are you sure it's a day or a month? $5 a day. Where are you seeing the word day? GM will also offer one-time purchases of $5 a day for subscribers and $10 non-subscribers for 250 megabyte of use and $150 and $200 for a month of up to 10 gigabytes. So there's a monthly plan of 200 megabytes for $5. There's, or you can do a one-time purchase for 250 megabytes, which that makes no sense to me. Of oh, $5. You probably, yeah. You probably have to set up a subscription for the $5, and this one's just a one-time use. Yeah. Or you can pay $15 for one gigabyte, $30 for three, $50 for five, or like I said, $150 for up to 10 that's if you're already an OnStar subscriber. Yes. Well, it's cheaper than a phone plan. True. But, but it's limited to your car. Yeah. And also, I have a feeling that they wouldn't let you, like, connect the car to a Wi-Fi network if you were parked outside of McDonald's. Probably not. At least they're trying something. True. They're doing something new. They say people will pick this because of the um, integration with the car's infotainment center and the better antennas that are built I into... hate that word, by the way. The infotainment center? Yes. Yeah. They also plan... Oh, they, they are delaying a planned launch of an app shop. Of a what? App shop. Oh, a store. Yes. For your GM car. Yes. They want to do their own app store for the GM car, but they have delayed that because I feel like that's the stupidest idea ever. Yeah, kind of. What the hell would you put as an app on your car? Uh, well, according Pandora? to this, Yeah, they have NPR. They have different maps things. I mean, like, my, my Prius has a little computer in it, too, and it has apps, but I don't need an app store. 
I, I have what I need, which is to say I have the map. It's pretty much the only app I want on my car. I feel like it would be better just to have a dock for your phone. Sure, uh, you have you have the better antenna. You have ability, to, you know, to charge your phone while it's plugged in. You know what would be really cool though is if the dock actually connected to the phone's antenna. What do you mean? So you you build a 4G antenna into the car. Yes. Right. Yes. And when you dock your phone. Yes. That's the antenna it uses. That would be extremely nice. That would I'd I'd actually pay for that. Yes, I would pay for that as well. Because there are many times, like I said, so trying to allude to this earlier, Kalamazoo is decently covered with 4G and cable subscriptions, but as soon as you move five miles out of town... You lose everything. Everything's gone. Yeah. It's like, that's I five minutes away from the university town, and I can't get decent cell phone coverage. This is wrong. Yeah. Time for a sat phone. I don't want a sat phone. I want the idea of everywhere coverage to actually be in existence rather than the ISPs complaining that this Carrier 2 stuff will hurt them and that, uh... Carrier 2. Common Carrier Title 2? Yes. There you go. I just shortened it all in my head. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was able to figure it out. Okay. I understood. I've known you for 20-some years. So, speaking of internet access... Yeah. Comcast, during a... Uh, investor call said the the com- executive VP said I would predict that in five years Comcast at least would have a usage based billing model rolled out across all its footprint. Man, why are we doing a downer episode on ISPs? Because ISPs are being stupid. Holy crap! So he's saying in five years everyone will be capped. Well, everyone said, on Comcast. He said that these are not data caps. This is. What he calls, because he, he, after this came out, everybody was like, what? And so he had to put a blog post out later, and he says, no, 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 I didn't mean data caps. There are no data caps. There's just usage-based billing. Which is data capping. <laughs> but it's, it's not data capping, because I didn't say data capping. If I, I call usage- it usage-based billing, it's not data capping. Can you define usage-based billing? Usage-based billing is customers generally get 300 gigabytes of data per month, with $10 charges for each extra 50 gigabytes they use. Can you define data capping? You are only allowed 300 gigabytes. And what if I go over that limit? Well, we'll give you more uh, internet usage, but we're going to have to charge you an overage charge. Or probably, I don't know, I'd say about $10 per 50 gigabytes extra used. Yeah, so those two things are the same thing. But they're not the same thing, because I didn't say they were the same thing. I said these are two (laughs) completely different things. They're the same thing! (laughs) Uh, I love how they say 98% of our customers nationally do not use 300 gigabytes a month. That's because most of your customers are on super slow internet because the expensive internet is expensive. Yep. If I had unlimited speed, there's a lot of things that you could do a lot quicker and use up a lot more bandwidth a lot easier. You'd be streaming higher quality video, playing more online games. <sighs> why, Andy, Why? Because they're making money. Oh, what was in the, the, the book club book for the month? There was a line I just read. I really should start trying to read that book. You haven't started yet? I got past the preface, which is farther than I got the last time I tried to read it. Jeez. 
it's a 544 page book and you have a week. two weeks. Yep. I might not be able to make it this month anyway, though. Oh. But uh, the, the line was something along the lines of with uh, where, where wealth is found, men wanting more is always found. Okay. Or something along those lines. I.e., when people make money... They want you, more. They want more. Okay, that, that applies certainly to the ISPs. Hey, look, we're making profits, so... What can we do to make more? Usage-based billing. God. Data capping. <laughs> but it's not data capping. But it is data capping. <laughs> Arose by any other name... Now, I can't even say a, that, that would be a positive connotation. A pile of poop by any other name. <laughs> would smell just as terrible. <laughs> yes. So what other downer news do we got going on? Oh, man. Uh, Adobe Creative Cloud was down for like a week. It was 24 it hours. It was oh. 24 hours. It was 24 hours? I thought it was down for much longer than that. No, it was only it, like, it's only 24 hours. You know, during the week when, you know, everybody who is, you know... Working. Working and needs to access, you know, their programs. So this is like a bunch of, of digital artists and professionals who could not log in and do their work. Yes. Go we, Adobe. We didn't have any issue. We're actually uh, rolling out CS6 for our <laughs> stuff now. We, did, we decided not to jump to the creative cloud because... Things like this. Yeah. This is what we call failing ungracefully. The the graceful solution would have been like okay, everyone gets access. Yeah. This is the ungraceful. No one can do their work. I wonder how many people are going to sue Adobe. I don't know because yeah, that twenty four hours of not being able to do business. Yep. Especially in the the entertainment industry, professional entertainment industry, where those prices can get pretty high. Yep. So we're going to take a, a vacation today because we can't access anything. Yep. Oops. Well done, Adobe. We, especially when you bring up the fact about failing gracefully. There's a lot of stuff there with the, the companies who are in the media industry who have been around since, you know, the 40s have actually... I can think of our automation software. If our main server goes down... It doesn't take down all of the automation software with you. The, the boxes go into island mode and still run with what they've got. Right. I've got uh, a program that interjects the metadata into the audio stream, i.e. for you know the web stream and the, the RDS stuff on your radio that actually tell you the title and artist. Mm -hmm. If that box fails, its default is to just bypass. There's an actual switch in there that actually bypasses the input directly to the output. If the box fails, so that's 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 failing gracefully, and that's brilliant. This is not brilliant. This sucks because it's the future. It's going to happen, and we need to fix it now. Yeah, but at least it happened now, and not in like ten years when it's True. really, really integrated. But yeah, this this needs to get fixed. Come on, Adobe, you can do it. Okay, uh, slightly more positive. Okay, Apple iOS. Yes. Some uh, enterprising Columbia University students yes. were able to get an iOS app to run natively on Android. Well, then. Not emulated. But actually, like APK to APK sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Well, except it's not called an APK on iOS. I know. I don't know yes. what it's... It, what is it called? Oh, It's an app. <laughs> What's it called, Dave? I don't know. <laughs> 
but that that it ran natively on Android. Well, that's nice. They're calling it Cider. So wait, do you have to have another app on there to? Uh, it it's a layer that I believe they're building it into the OS. Okay. But Android is already layered, so it's just another layer. Oh, they don't have access to most hardware features yet, so... Yeah, not not quite there yet, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, and they got GPS working. Oh, good. So that's cool. Yeah, it means There's you don't have to worry about... no way that Apple is going to let this go. Probably not. Like, uh, no. But it'd still be nice, because there are some ios-only apps that are pretty interesting and pretty good and i would want for android but they don't exist because shibuya on my my android you want what shibuya you don't remember shibuya when you say that in my head yeah in in my head i hear the family guy shibupi yeah yeah look up s-h-i-b-u-y-a shibuya ios because otherwise you're going to find out about the street corner in japan Holy cow. Oh, that's what that place is called. All right. Yeah, that really famous street corner, that's Shibuya. Ten things to do in Tokyo. Oh, look, that one's on the list. Yeah, very famous street corner. It's like the Flatiron Building in New York. Yeah. Okay, iOS. Oh, it's that game. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think it was part of the PAX 10 from, like, the first PAX 10 that we did. Something like that, yeah. Oh, yeah, tickets. Still not on sale yet. Tickets to PAX? Yeah, Prime. Oh, when are they going on sale? Uh, Ku has said soon. For, wait, for this year's PAX? PAX Prime, yeah. They go on sale after PAX East. Oh. Are you following the official Twitter? I'm not. I'm not planning on going to PAX this year. Oh. Were you planning on going to PAX? My rule was um, I was not going to go to PAX until... Until you have a full-time job. Yes. Do you have a full-time job? Not at the moment, but... I'm literally in the process. I had to fill out the application for my full-time position, and I submitted that the other day. So hopefully soon. Granted, I don't think I actually get any vacation days until I've worked there six months. So you'll so have I'm to probably, take paid leave. Yeah, which I don't know if I want to do that or not. Yeah. So I was, I'm going to Gen Con this year. I've already got that blocked off. Side note, i got to remember to send out a Google invite for Up North thing, just to make sure everybody's on the same page. Yep. You want to come to Gen Con with me, Andy? No. No? Well, I don't know. I've never been to Gen Con. It, it's it's similar to PAX, but it's closer. Much closer. And you can still order badges. I think I'm good. Okay. So speaking of Apple. Yeah. Apple and Google, i.e. Motorola, uh, dismissed their patent suits against each other. Yay! That's good. They have also said in a joint statement that Apple and Google have also agreed to work together in some areas of patent reform. But the agreement that they have does not include a cross-license. Okay. So they have thrown out their the Apple versus Motorola lawsuit and the counter-lawsuit against it. That's done. They're going to work together in patent reform, but they have not included a cross-license in the agreement. So there's still going to be issues with patents. Well, but they, I mean, as long as they don't sue each other... True. What's what's the worst that could happen if they don't sue each other? Right. The Apple versus Samsung case, though, is still going on. Oh, that's never going to finish. No. That that'll yeah. But the other one that we always talk about, the Apple versus Motorola, that one is finally over and done with. Put over to and rest. Done with. Yes. Back in 2010, they were sued originally. Wow. It's been going on for four years. Mm-hmm. Some and it's very wealthy lawyers after this. <laughs> yep. So that one is finally done. 
Uh, what other? Oh, there's a good news. Uh, there was a Kickstarter who's trying to create a $7 computer that's on a USB stick. Okay. They want How to, little power? Well, they want to develop it for third world countries, people who have computers that, you know, right. have issues. All you'd have to do is just plug this thing in and then this will be your operating system. I think it's a neat idea. I would actually love to have, you know, a $7 secondary OS on a keychain. I probably could actually set this up now with some sort of Linux, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. The real trick is forcing the, the bigger computer to boot from it. Yes. That one takes some skill. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm confused. Do they mean like a full computer on the stick or just an operating system? Uh, da, 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 da. It looks like it is just the opera. Okay, in fact, any computer with a screen, keyboard, and basic processor should play a perfect host because the keypod stick comes with a desktop version of Android 4.4. So it's not actually a computer. It's just no, an operating system. It's an operating system on a stick. Okay. It, it's a jump drive. Well, that's less cool then. I mean, $7 is still pretty cheap. No, yeah. $7 for an OS, that's still pretty cheap. But yeah, they're, they're not looking to build a full computer. Because if you build the computer into the USB stick, what do you plug it into? You're plugging it into a, oh, sorry, a computer. Right, but if, if you have the full computer, I'm saying like there's a processor in the stick, what are you plugging it into? Another computer. Which doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Oh, geez, what is going on with my throat? Are you, you okay there, Andy? No, I'm not. A, oh. <coughs> All right. In other news, Gmail upgrades on their way. I don't like them. I don't know what to think about them. I haven't really seen them yet. It's supposed to look more like a mobile Gmail. Ew. On the web. Ew. Nintendo says they are two years out of their next console. Which I think is probably a year too late. Uh, they'll be fine. They'll limp along. Are you interested to hear of anything that EA... Well, since they're not doing any sort of E3 announcement, so... Nintendo or EA? Nintendo. Yeah. They're not doing any sort of E3 announcements. I was going to ask you, like, what are, you, what are they going to announce at E3? But they're not, so... Um, EA is pulling a lot of their games from online services. Yeah, because uh, GameSpy is closing down. Yep. The Library of Congress wants your audio CDs because Nine. they don't know how long the CDs are going to last. These are national treasures. All modern formats weren't really made to last a long period of time. They really were more developed for mass production. And so the chief preservation research and testing person at the Library of Congress wants people to donate CDs so they can see how they react to different conditions, i.e. they took some CDs and cooked them for about 500 hours at 175 degrees with a relative humidity of 70%. So they, they want to stress test the CDs. Yeah. Didn't the companies do this, like, a long time ago? You would think so, but it seems... Oh, actually, okay, turnout update. A spokeswoman with the Library of Congress asked me to let people know that the center now has a significant supply of CDs for its research and testing. All right, so you don't need the CDs. <laughs> don't send them your CDs. No, they have enough now. But they were just pointing out, like, they took two CDs, did it through this 500 hours in an oven, basically. One of them was fine, and the other one is completely destroyed even though these two CDs looked exactly the same to start out with. Yep. Different materials. Different materials, different manufacturing processes. It all looks the same at the end. Yep. But the two CDs are not necessarily identical. This is why I actually, uh, one of the things I want to do is go through my DVD collection we have here and rip everything as ISOs. <laughs> that way... I can handle backing up a hard drive a whole lot easier than a completely unreadable CD. 
Uh, is there anything else on there? Uh, I think that's it. That's it. All right. Random review. Dave, batter up. Glimpse. 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 G-L-Y-M-P-S-E. Glimpse. So remember Google Latitude? Yes. Remember how we were all upset when Latitude shut down? Yes. Glimpse is the replacement for Latitude. It is cross-platform. Okay. And it is on demand. So whereas Latitude was like always on, Glimpse is on demand. It is, hey, Andy, uh, can you let me know where you are for the next half hour? And so it would send me a message and say, hey, Dave wants to know where you are. And yeah. then I approve it? Yeah. Ah. And then I'm the only person who gets to see that. Except that's not always the case because you can also do groups. Uh, it also has really nice features of when you decide to send me the glimpse, you can say, yeah, I'll send it for the next half hour. And also, I'm going to this destination. And so it will show me where you are and where you're trying to go and the route that you are currently, like, it's plotting for you. Hmm. So if, I, if I'm waiting for you to come pick me up or something... I can glance at it and be like, oh, okay, he's going this route. It should take about this amount of time for him to get here. Yep. It even does estimated time to arrival if you put in the nice. destination. So like whenever I leave work, I just send a glimpse to Laura. There's a, I've, I've got a shortcut set up for it. And she can track you on your drive to work? My drive home. Ah. Uh, when you glimpse someone, when you send the information, you don't have to send it to their phone. They don't have to have the app to see it. It can send a text message with a link. It can send basically any any program on your phone that sends communication. Glimpse can use it to send a message. So you can use all the different versions of Google Hangouts or Skype or Google Snapchat, Voice or Snapchat. SMS, Voice. I just started using Snapchat. SureSpot. Hmm, this is interesting. Email. Here, in fact, I will demo this. Are you going to glimpse me right now? I will send you a glimpse. All right. Send to recipients. Uh, I will send it. Andy Low. Is your phone by you? Yes. It's on vibrate. Okay. I am sending it to your Gmail and to your phone. Okay. There you go. Hey, look at that. By uh, text message. Mm-hmm. Opening the website. Oh, look. Oh, you're at your sure. apartment. No surprise there. Uh, I'm where? No, not your apartment. Your house. Sorry. There you go. And expire. <gasps> Expired? Dave, does that mean you're dead? Yes. Oh, look, so, I, got, I got the email as well. Yep. So super easy to use, uh, free. <laughs> you can send it to people. The, the hardest part is explaining to someone what it is. Of the like, hey, can you... Because I, I can even actually request a glimpse from you, even though you don't have the, the program. Well, that's weird. So I just requested a glimpse from you. Okay, click to share your location. All right. Now it'll take you to the app store so you can download and install it. It says request from Dave to share your location. All right, now what do I do? Um, is there a link? No, no, there is not. Oh, well, then that's problematic. <laughs> Fail. Well, that is a neat idea for the uh, a follow-up to Latitude. Granted, it was kind of fun just to go, is Dave back in his apartment yet so we can start recording? I wonder where Dave is. Oh, look, he's there. All right. Oh, he's at Target right now. Okay. Yeah, so no random stalking anymore, but still stalking. Hmm. Is there a way to turn it that it's always on for certain people? Like they don't have to request? No. Nope. Nope. No? Nope. Not that I have found. Okay. But then again, I have not played with the group stuff. Hmm. Well, I will keep that in mind. Create a public group view a glimpse car mode. What the hell does car mode look like? Oh, cool. Big buttons. Ah. 
I like big buttons. You're not going to go with that one, are you? Nope. Okay. So glimpse cross platform. Dave likes it. It's good. It's free. free Especially if good. if you're doing things like meeting up at a cabin in northern Michigan. Hey, where is everybody? Boom. Yep. I'm thinking public glimpse for that. All right. All right. Okay. Random topic. Random topic. What is your quest? No. What is your favorite math book? Oh, man. Uh, my favorite math book yes. leaves me with three choices. But I'd like to hear yours first, Andy. My favorite math book? I don't even remember the last math book I cracked open. Okay. Uh, last time I took math was at Eastern. I think I was doing the math of probability and statistics. Yeah, okay. cause that, was, that was a math class. I think that was the last one I opened. That was an interesting one because I like the idea of plotting out probability and statistics i.e. when i was um at work the other day during lunch i was in my head contemplating to figure out what would be the perfect mana curve for hearthstone i'm sorry the perfect what mana curve okay like what would your what would be the perfect deck for you to be built so you would always have the best card to play on your turn okay so that that was the, the math of probability and statistics is always fun so that's what i would say is my favorite math book i don't remember the name of it but that was a fun class okay so that that's that's my answer so i i've got it down to three <laughs> of course you actually have three math books that you all right there there is the book from my uh mathematics for secondary mathematics educators basically mathematics for high school teachers okay uh just because it's cool it has a very broad range of topics all of them are pretty fun uh, you actually have to understand quite a bit of mathematics to do it. Uh, then there's the Principia. Do you know the Principia? The Principia. Isn't that, uh, is that Newton's book? Yep. Philosophe yeah. Naturalis Principia Mathematica. It's, uh, it's Newton's book where he basically defines calculus. I, I give him myself a point for that one. You definitely score a point for that one. All right. And the third book would be... It's technically a series of books, but it's Euclid's The Elements. Oh, for Euclid's Mathematics. All right. Yeah. So either of I didn't of know those, that was a series of books. It, it's like five books, I think. I know the Principia is five books, or three books. Principia is three books. I think The Elements is five. Okay. But it's really just, it's The Elements. It's one book. It's just broken up. Uh, and that's where, where Euclid basically defines geometry. Yeah. Wait, was it Euclid? Yes. So I thought there was. I thought there he was a, a special version of geometry. Isn't there another version of geometry? Yeah. There are many versions of geometry. Yeah. There's taxicab geometry. I remember you showed me that one. Yep. That's that's basically D and D. Yeah. Fourth edition. That's taxicab geometry. There's spherical geometry, which is what we have to deal with when we think about the Earth on a large scale. Yeah. There's planar geometry, which is basically Euclid's. Yep. And there's hyperbolic geometry, where what's you exaggerate one? everything. No, wait, that's wrong. Uh, what's what's hyperbolic? Yes. Do you want the full explanation? I'm not. I don't know if I can give it to you in, in total layman's terms. I was going to say, try and explain it to me like I'm five. Uh, okay. So two lines that never touch. Yes. Right. That's that's they're, parallel. They're parallel. Right. Yes. Um, that's an assumption. Okay. That that's one of the the five kind of requirements for Euclid's geometry. It's called the parallel postulate, and it's saying that if if I've got these two lines, I can make it such that they never touch. Yes. Um, let me double check. I want to make sure. 
Yeah. Uh, so the, the full postulate is that I have two lines and I have a line that crosses them. They'll have the same angles, basically. Yes. Right? That's the parallel postulate. Yes. And the, the postulate is actually the reverse of if I, if I draw this line and they have the same angles, then the two lines will never touch. Yes. That okay? is. Yes, I understand that part. In spherical geometry, that's not the case. No. Uh, basically, in, in spherical geometry, they will always touch. Yeah, because they're on a sphere. Right. And in hyperbolic geometry, it's, it, it's that they, they will... You can have the, the two lines... Oh, how, how can I describe this? Shit, I know how to describe this. I've done it before. You can have many lines, basically, that go through those same two points that are all parallel. All right, I need to wrap my head around this. Yeah, hang on. Let me see if I can just look up a better description. Okay, so here we go. Ready? Yes. In regular Euclidean geometry, yes. if I have a line and a point not on the line. Okay. Okay? In Euclidean geometry, there is one line that goes through that other point that is parallel to the first one. Yes. In spherical geometry, there are zero lines that go through that point that are parallel to the first one. Yes. In hyperbolic geometry, there are an infinite number of lines that go through that point that are not parallel to the first one. Okay, I think I understand. And the, the way it's represented is usually instead of a, an infinite plane, you think of the plane as a circle with an infinite edge. And this is why hard math people seem so weird sometimes. It's, it's hard to explain without visuals, so let me send you a link to a visual. Okay. I am never probably, after seeing this video, or visual, never going to contemplate this ever again. Probably not. <laughs> if there's anything I've learned about higher-end mathematics, there's a lot of things. Well, but what's really cool is it actually has an application in the normal world. Really? Yeah. Coral grows hyperbolically. Oh, really? Yeah, which is just bizarre and strange, but it, it turns out that it grows hyperbolically. In fact, uh, crochet patterns are hyperbolic. Huh. Well, that's just crazy. Yep, I'm trying to send you the image, by the way, through Skype. That's not working. Okay. I will send it to you somewhere else. All right, so uh, I'm good with my one book. Dave's uh, good with just blowing up my mind. Yeah, I'm always good with blowing up your mind. Ah, boom. Spherical geometry is, is also, I mean, just the, that weird part about having a triangle with three 90-degree angles. That what? Is, no, I just looked at the, the image you just sent me. Yeah. So those are all lines that are parallel to the first line because they will never touch. Well, I'm glad for all of our listeners who have decided to stick around through <laughs> David and A David teaches Andy mathematics. Yep. All right. Well, that's, that's that, that, then. Wow. Did not expect to end on that. Bye. That's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening.